Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We gotta start the show. What's up, everyone's fans? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We are back. We are back. We are back talking bees, bees, bees. And I'm here with my host, Heather Ingerson. Heather, what up? Um, I am very excited to be here to talk Bruins hockey with you as it has been a nutty week. But be damned or not, if people want to say anything, I want to say happy birthday to you, my friend, now that I can see uh, yeah. you in person. I hope you had a good day yesterday. Yeah, it was fun. It was uh, just I stayed home, just got a lot of work done and watching a lot of hockey, Bruins related, uh, you know, all over the place. The OHL, the WHL, um, the uh, USHL. It was a great day of just sitting and just doing my thing, you know. Don't yes. do much, but it's when it's hockey related, I kind of tap the vein and, and hunker right into the office and just, have, you know, have fun. But I had my drinks. I had my extracurricular activities going on. It was fun. So I had a good birthday. But thank you That's very you much. Everybody who reached out and, you know, um, did the did the, the solid friend follow thing uh, it was awesome. Um, very uh, overwhelmed by all the love that I got yesterday. So, but um, yeah, we're back talking hockey and uh, we have a guest. We tried to do a round table uh, that was unsuccessful. I know people are busy. Weekends are tough. I get it. Uh, but we do have a guest on from one of our members of the Black and Gold uh, podcast network. So uh, we'll talk about, we'll have him on later on. Um, but right now, I do want to start the show properly. And uh, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is powered by betonline.ag and in partnership with the Black and Gold Production Sports Media Company. This is season six, episode 255. And we kindly ask that you please subscribe to our weekly Bruins Hockey Talk on all worldwide audio podcast platforms and video content on our YouTube channel. We'd certainly appreciate any and all support on those platforms. Um, yeah, so we do uh, we, we do have some Bruins uh, topics that we're going to go through, um, but uh, we do have a guest, and, and his name is Lance Scavetta, and he is uh, one of the hosts of the Black and Gold and Teal Hockey Podcast. That's on the Black and Gold Podcast Network. You could follow him at Bruins Man 
um, one on Twitter. So, um, and uh, yeah, I, it was it was just a good idea to have somebody else on because we're going to start recording on Tuesdays from now on. So I thought that we have a couple of people on, but it just didn't work out. But Lance was uh, kind enough to to uh, lend some time and some knowledge and, and just to sit and have fun with us today. And I'm, I really appreciate his time. But uh, before we get Lance on, I do want to talk about show sponsored betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all your basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. That's CLNS50. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. All right, we just heard myself talk about BetOnline.ag. Please go check it out. Uh, use the code CLNS50 after you get that free account on their website. It's uh, it's a, it's well worth it for the gambling folk out there. Uh, with all that being said, let's just get right to our, our guest. His name is Lance Gavetta, and he's coming in hot right now. Mr. Lance, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, birthday boy. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Thanks again for your time today. I truly appreciate it. Uh, please, uh, folks, go check out the Black and Golden Teal Hockey Podcast. It's on uh, all worldwide listening platforms. It's a really good program, it, but it, it gravitates to uh, the Boston Bruins, which is Lance's side of the country, but it also gravitates to the San Jose Sharks, which is Mark Balboni, his host. And uh, they do a fantastic job together, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's in the – it's in the inner workings of the program, so it's only got a couple episodes, but it's getting better every episode. So, Lance, um, tell me about the program and tell me how you guys got started. We, we had a little influence from the boss, the birthday boy himself. He kind of encouraged the two of us to uh, try to seek out maybe possibly starting up something. And when it came to an idea of what the show was going to be about, we were like, well, Mox a transplanted New Englander, so... We were like, well, we definitely can take care of the Bruins aspect of it. And since he's moved out to uh, Central California and with his wife being an avid Sharks fan, he has become a Sharks fan as well. And we figured, why not meld the two into a pod and give it a little different flavor than most of the pods out there? And thankfully, his wife, which she does her own podcast and... uh she had all the equipment and everything set up to start it. And so we said, well, let's give it a shot. And we just, we've, we've recorded four episodes now and we like it and it's getting smoother and smoother to do every episode we do. And we, we, we definitely want to keep it going. So, and with more than, we are so pleased that you decided to bring us into the fold with the B and G productions. And um, we enjoy it. We like it. We hope anybody that listens or follows likes it too. And we're going to keep going. And hey, that's basically where it started from. Lance, do me a favor. Tilt your screen down a little bit. Sure. There you go. There he is. They want to see that handsome face. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're going to have people running to the hills right now. Oh. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Right. Everyone go 
follow and subscribe and share with your friends. You guys are off to a great start and up and going to things higher and beyond this. And I mean, look at us. I mean, we've been doing this for like three years and sometimes we're a hot mess. So you just got to keep happens. at it. Oh, yeah. Do your product. Have fun. That's the exactly. important thing. And uh, the rest of it will fall into place from there. Hopefully, oh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, you know, there is real life surrounding all this mess. So we have to deal with those things. And but we we definitely make the time to do it because we enjoy it. And right. hopefully the people that listen and subscribe and follow, they enjoy it, too. And we're going to keep going. So even if you don't like us, we're going to keep coming. So <laughs> learn to like us. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's a lot of people who just love hockey and are willing to listen to people if they're passionate and you guys are showing your love and knowledge and that will, the people will come. Also, you guys are drawn from two fan bases. That's pretty awesome right there in itself. Well, that's why we decided to start it because we could incorporate basically a cross country flavor with what we're doing. We got the West coast team. We got, we got us over here and it was just, it was an idea that, maybe hadn't been done yet and it was maybe we could get a niche in the market that way doing it that way and it's worked out well and not only that it's i mean granted i follow hockey anyway so whether that doesn't matter what the team is i love the game but it's gotten me into getting to know the sharks a little bit better from top to bottom with their prospects and their farm systems and everything else and it's been a learning experience and i've enjoyed it to this point i really have awesome Awesome. All right, boys, are you ready? We're yeah, gonna let's do, do this. It has been a pretty crazy week in Bruins land. Yes. Yes. So, um, yes. It start like last week. Mark, it seems like it's 105 years ago. We talked last week, last Sunday. We're about to play the Vancouver Canucks. We we're like, oh, that's weird. Why is Halla and DeBrusque benched? Well, we ended up beating the Canucks three to two, but we've had a really crazy week since then. Allmark got his win. Uh, Bleed got a goal. Marshawn and Pasnark also got goals, but Linus Almach won. That was good. Everyone's like, yay. Wasn't the best game, but we also were a little nervous about it. But then Monday came and there was a lot of things. We lost Anton Bleed during the game on Sunday. He's got a shoulder injury. He's out for a while. I thought we could discuss him. He's been playing really well. I think he's been being impactful in his play. And uh, what do you guys think about Anton Bleed? How how much, you know, our team's already kind of uh, struggling at times on and off hot coal. We talked about having bleed who seems to be hitting some kind of rhythm out of this lineup. Lance, ahead, Lance. Our guest. My thoughts on Anton bleed were when he first started seeing time with the big club, his energy has always been there and he always goes a hundred percent and he gives everything that he can give. But of, of late, the last two or three games or so we started to see the part of his game that is actually translatable to the, to the Bruins. And he's been, he's, he's tenacious on the four check. I do love that part of his game where he just, he's a dog going after a bone and he doesn't give the team any room to try to do anything. You better make a quick play because if Anton's on the ice, he's going to be in your face. And I have, definitely been encouraged with the way he's been playing and it kind of bummed me out that he got hurt because he was starting to hit his stride a little bit but hopefully he can recover quickly and get back in the lineup because he has been improving yeah um for me bleeds addition to the lineup is is has been quite good and and like lance said it's trends it's uh yeah yeah whatever um i'll edit that sorry 
Um, but what, what he does offer is that grit and, and what we need. We need that that type of Marchand player that's going to be in your face and so on. And I believe that he brings that type of element. Um, but he has increased that uh, tenfold, in my opinion. And, and, and another player that's playing at a level where it's hard for coaching staff to really take him out and replace him or shuffle him around. So a uh, typical fourth line player, grinder, and so on, um, you know, in my opinion, he's really forcing the hand of, of um, a player like Trent Frederick to play better. Um, you know, the trade deadline's coming up soon next couple of months. Uh, I mean, would, would Freddie be uh, an enticing person to look at in a trade and, but to still have that um, grit and that grind with Anton bleed still in the lineup? Because I, I kind of think that the Bruins really uh, are high on him because they don't want to put him through the waiver process to go to Providence because somebody could take him. And this uh, shoulder injury is uh, reoccurring because this happened to him before. Yeah. That's a bummer. Because, yeah. like, like I said before, I mean, he seemed to have been starting to hit his stride. And I love his tenacity. When he's out on the ice and he's on that forecheck, boy, you better make a, qu- a quick play in the right play because he's going to be in your face. And that's the part of his game that I do like watching. And that, it's been a growing, developing thing over time. But he's definitely getting to the point where he's hitting his stride. And it's good to see. And it's just a shame that he got hurt. Yeah, for me, I'm like, I'm no great lover of Anton Bleed, but this is probably one of the few times that I've watched him play that I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't feel like you're not because he's not an okay player, but Mark and I talk all the time. There's a big difference between AHL and NHL, even for a game or two. And this is the most consistent I've seen him play with having now uh, he came in because Freddie went out or whatever. That's what is what it is. But we always talk about your opportunities when you get that opportunity do it. And I think that he's been uh, in, instrumental in the rough couple week, week that we've had here before this week we're talking about, but really just doing his role. Like I, uh, that's been part of the problem, right, with the team all year is people not just playing the role that they're supposed to be doing, uh, whatever reason that is. Sometimes you get behind and nobody, you know, you just kind of get thing. But Bleed has been pretty steady, so it sucks too. And if it's a reoccurring injury, because it's like, I feel like this always happens. The guys down in Providence finally come up, you know, and they get their shot and they're looking well, and then something happens. They get hurt. <laughs> then they now they're losing whole parts of their season, not playing for either club and just developmentally and just for their sake. That drives me nuts. But I, I think given the fact of how kind of mediocre our bottom six and even you could say the second line hasn't wowed all year. Obviously, we've had a lot of injury and stuff. I do think this is he is one of our best options we have to have up there and now that makes it even weaker as we're trying to figure out chemistry or who's in or out uh on those bottom three that's just me uh but i also monday became pretty much crazy train because brad marshawn gets called in by player safety to just his slew foot on oliver or Larson, sorry, I had a hard time saying his name. Uh, I thought we could just kind of maybe use this as a therapy session point to discuss these. And everyone, you know, you can agree to disagree, but was that a slew foot? Should Marshana got three games and just go off if you hate player safety? Because that's what these descends into. So, Lance, again, you're our guest. Just was that a slew foot? No. Should he been suspended three games and talk about it? 
No, <laughs> no on both. And I'll tell you what, it, everybody knows what a slew foot is and what Marshy did to Ekman Larson was not a slew foot. He was almost a reverse hit, if you want to call it, and he just happened to go over Marshy's leg. Marshy didn't try to trip him when he made that hit. He was trying to push him away from the puck. P.K. Subban does a whole lot worse every single game that SOB plays. And that man has not been suspended once. And this whole thing all goes with Marshy's reputation. Mind you, he hasn't been in trouble in two years plus. But they bring back his reputation, and it just gives them a chance to nick him again. And I, NHL player safety has been a joke for a few years now. I think we all can pretty much agree on that. Joji Peros is a fool especially from a guy that was nothing more than a glorified goon when he did play. And you would think a guy that was, is in NHL player safety would have a better grasp and a better handle on what is and what isn't. And he drops the ball so many times. It's not even funny. And he definitely dropped it on this one. And this was all a reputation suspension. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And from the actual play itself, that was not a slew foot. We've all know what a slew foot is. We've seen it many, many times, and that was not a slew foot. But you want to watch PK Subban play, you want that's when you see a slew foot because he does it all the time. And I just don't think there's a comparison between the two. And like I said, Subban has never been suspended, or if he has, I, I don't even remember, but it, it was nothing. And he certainly doesn't have Mashi's reputation. But this whole suspension was a reputation suspension. And I don't agree with it. That's just my personal opinion. But, you know, that maybe I'm jaded because I'm a Bruins fan, but I'm also objective when it comes about things like that. If I call a spade a spade and if you should be suspended, yes, you should be suspended. But in this case, I don't think so. I'm the same, kind of the same way, but I look at Slewfoot in a different um, manner because there wasn't like the sweep of the kick, Johnny. It was more or less the... It was like the hip. I mean, he used his hip as leverage, not so much the foot. You know what I mean? So he was basically the arms up ahead were, were, were forcing down while the hip was your pivot point. And I think that's what ultimately got the call. So, but what infuriated me more was that PK Subban did this three times in a month. And recently over this weekend, did it again for the fourth time and nothing happened at all. No, no suspension, nothing. I uh, got fined three times, five, 10 and $15,000, uh, but no suspensions. And that's one thing that I don't understand about this is the inconsistencies on player safety. Um, and where is it? And it's, it's got to be better. This is just a joke. Um, I, I, you know, Yes, he has a history and so on, but it's also like Lance said, it's also been in a time frame. I believe it's 18 months when you when you pretty much, you know, they what do they what do they call that? Repeat Quit. offender. Yeah, the repeat offender. If you didn't do anything in an 18 month time frame, then it's there's something to be said about it that the penalty shouldn't be that harsh or something like that. I could be wrong, but no, I wholeheartedly agree with you. But I, I just agree with you. 
I just don't understand the consistency, and that's one thing that pisses me off. Now, there's a there's something to be said about a few people that believe that this could be brought from the glove incidents from uh, Anthony Panarin in the Rangers game when possibly something was said, but per CBA, they can't go back and, and read the audio about it legally because it wasn't an um, – and on the ice official saying, hey, we need to review this. This was some pretty bad shit that was said. So this might have been like something. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the uh, conspiracy theory here. But that could have been something that the league was like, okay, well, Marshan, you, you are hairline slew foot here. We're going to freaking you know, do this just to make up for it. I don't know. This is my problem is this isn't a – it's not even just Brad Marshan. The message that player safety sends, no wonder why no one knows when they're going to get fined or suspended. Because as you pointed out, Lance, P.K. Subban can do whatever he wants. And it's like a $5,000 fine or nothing at all. I have an issue with this for a couple of reasons. One, unless there's something egregiously missed on the, on the ice, if there's no penalty on the ice, unless someone's injured or something from it, there should be no suspension after the fact, it should only be able to be a fine because if it was that bad, somewhere would have been reviewed in game. Marshan didn't even get a penalty. So that seems weird to me Two, Let's talk about repeat offender. Marshawn is a repeat offender. We're all Bruins fans. We can admit that, but we also can all agree that it has been a long time since he pulled some bullshit. This was not Marshawn bullshit. This is slew foots that happen all the time, either intentionally or in Potentially, because some people are arguing it's his size. That's why it happened, this and that. I agree with Mark. I think he used his hip because he's small, and that's how he uses his strength because he is low to the thing. But Marshan knows what he's doing, too. He had to. So on the one hand, yeah, it probably was a slew foot on some level, right? But one game was sufficient. If you want to say, just remember, Mar Brad Marshawn, you know, like the Panarin thing. There was no penalty. He didn't get in trouble anything. Now, just because, and I even said last week to Mark, it's not cool if he's like, dude, I hope like Putin offs you and shit. We, we talked about it. that's real. That's not okay. But at the same time, if it's just, I don't like Brian Marshawn being a dick to me, that shouldn't come into play now. The play should only be on, did he slew foot him? Who also I would say was being kind of, he, Larson was being a dick during the game too all game and so why are you going to protect one player and not not why are you going to go over the top on one but they keep saying the repeat offender that's weird because when tom wilson was acting up in the spring including you know he did get suspended for the carlo hit but he had been doing other things and they were like well you know it's been 18 months so technically he's not a repeat offender so marshawn's a repeat offender with a borderline slew foot but Wilson literally had Antony Panarin and ragdolled him. And it's like, oh, so he was just a winner. I, player safety is stupid. And mostly because people like John Paros, like mean it. Either you care about the safety of these so players much. and care about the important things that are leading to injuries, or you want to just make Brad Marsh on, make sure he can never get that heart trophy. Cause that's all you're doing. Like you hate him. You like this person better. It's just stupid. Again, if it's a safety thing, all day long, throw the book at him. But that was not a safety thing. And Borderline even deserved the game suspension. But three games, it's like you hate the Boston Bruins. Like, we're not having a hard enough week. Like, we can barely win games with Marshawn. And now you're going to just overreact to that slew foot because he has been behaving. And 
even if he said whatever he said to Panera and you didn't punish him for that, then you can't review the tapes or whatever. So you got to let it go and call what's on the ice. And he didn't even get penalized on the ice. So that was exactly. debatable if it was even a slew foot at all. I do agree. I think it, it was, I mean, by definition, but three games, Jesus, he didn't take his head off. He didn't blindside hit him, you know, whatever. he didn't That's injure him. Yeah. He got up. He finished the game. As a matter of fact, he injured Anton bleed in that game. So thank you. Just want to bring that up. Want to talk about that. I mean, I mean, we're going to suspend Marshawn three games on that, but bleed gets injured. And again, that just happens. I'm not saying he had intent to injure bleed, but I mean, I'm not saying he didn't intend on hitting bleed hard either, you know? So yeah. Does that at all? I mean, thoughts on that. Back on the fact of the matter, as far as this goes in that game itself, Marshawn, was beating up OEL the whole game. He hit him three, four times at least. And OEL was pissed off because Mashi was getting the best of him. And then that happened when it happened. And unfortunately, where it happened, it was in the view of everything. And it got illuminated. But it has to go back down to the facts. He has been not suspended and been in basically a good boy, quote unquote, for Mashi anyway. For a long time. And this whole thing was a reputation suspension. Nothing more, nothing less. And it just illuminates the fact that NHL player safety has been a joke for a while. And it's, you know just, why the, it's frustrating. You know why these things are a joke? Because remember last year, the Rangers were like, dude, this is bullshit. And they got fined $250,000. So the front offices of the league have literally designed the system to be, it doesn't matter how many incompetent people we put in place or we can just talk our talk, but never mean anything because in the end we're lawyers and we'll just fine everybody. And then the clubs will shut up because we don't want to have to make any meaningful changes to our policies or how we actually run our company. That's the message it sends. True. So PK Subban isn't getting suspended until someone is seriously fucking hurt. Excuse my language, but it's been the last month alone by Christmas. He'll have probably taken like hurt someone severely and maybe then they'll do something, but probably not. It'll probably be $5,000 fine max allowable under the CBA. Who, who signed the CBA is what I want to know. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Unfortunately, um, that's what it's going to take before something is truly done is somebody's going to have to get seriously injured and then, then they'll finally look at it. Yep. And I'm sorry, that's too late. If somebody seriously gets injured by PJ, PK Subban for what he does, it's too late. You had a chance to mitigate that long before somebody gets seriously hurt, and they haven't done it yet. But they're going to take it out on Marshawn because of his reputation? Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. Same, it, yeah. There's a few other people in the league you could say that. I'd even say Tom Wilson. They do that with him, too. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. And it takes something big that they can't ignore, and they have to do something. Uh, to do it. Hey, f listen, fire George Paros. I mean, what's Gary Bettman going to do? Cancel this podcast? I don't think he has that power. Does he, Mark? No, because no. you run this ship. No. And we can say Gary Bettman <laughs> off and at least be fair. Because overall, I care about the players' safety in the whole league. Like I don't, like you said, I'll call a spade a spade. Like when Marshawn was being a total douche, I would always, like, not okay with me. You know, like, you're my player, but like you're making yourself look bad and our organization look bad. And nobody... <laughs> talented needs to play like that don't play like that's the move like like what pk has been doing that's the moves of a desperate frustrated veteran that doesn't know what to do with his actual game which is ridiculous because he's a good defenseman like he's a good player 
focus on that. And that's what I think Marshawn's tried to do the last three or four years. I'm sure he's not an angel. We know that. He's just <laughs> not his nature. But you don't want him to be an angel. Yeah. I just want him to not do things that will injure people. So, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, okay, if we're going to do a scale from licking to sort of slew footing, I would rather him sort of slew foot in that. But if he had, like, whacked out his leg, then all day long, I'm like, well, you brought it upon yourself, Brad. You know, but this was not one of those circumstances. Okay, so that was just... um Monday, another great thing came out on Monday that uh, Jake DeBrusque wants to trade. Apparently it came out this week that, you know, it got all leaked out, whoever did that. And the agent confirmed whether it was the agent, whether it was the Bruins themselves to make it flip it. We know the organization likes to do this, flip it on the player to make them have to be the, oh, well, you know, we weren't going to trade DeBrusque, but he's unhappy and we want to, you know, um, a, a lot of teams have uh, called on him, uh, uh, according to Darren Dreger, whatever I said, there's been up to a quarter of the league or a third of the league's been looking for him. So I thought we could um, maybe just take on the DeBrus thing. I, we don't have to really go in order, but let's talk about this. I mean, I don't think any of us are surprised that either the Bruins would like him to be traded or that Jake wants a fresh start. We, I know Mark and I have talked about why didn't they do that this offseason? They wanted to give it one more try. We both are Jake people, so we're like, okay, give it another try. Um, I'm still surprised that we couldn't muddle through to the trade deadline because overall, I don't think he's played. Sure, he's underplaying for him, but overall on our team, he's not underperforming less than a lot of other people. You know, I mean, there's a lot of mediocrity going on at times. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about it. Jake DeBrusque wants out. Um, I love him and I wish him well. I want him. I know he has more in him and whatever it is that's not working, whether it's him and Cassidy can't click or chemistry or whatever, or just he needs a chain of pace. What do you think? What are we getting for him? Like, what do you, let's talk Jake DeBras, boys. Go ahead, Mark. If you have, you have some thoughts on it, go ahead. I, you know, it's concerning sometimes. I mean, and it's not concerning about what Jake DeBrusque wants for himself. If he sees that it's a business decision for him, his family, his agent, whatever, uh, to move on and get a fresh start, good for him. I mean, that's that's his right. I, I work a regular 40 myself, and if I'm not happy, I would want the right to move on and, and you know, be happy somewhere else. It totally makes sense. Um but I, I, I still like the idea of we should have done something over the offseason. If we had inklings, like a lot of reports out there saying that this has been in discussion for months and not just what happened last week. So if it's, it's, if it's been months in the, in the works, then something should have been done or something should have been alerted. Um, and to figure this out so he can at least start um, a, a fresh season on a fresh team. So I'm a huge Jake DeBrus fan. I wish him the best of luck, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, wherever he goes. Uh, but I just don't like the narrative out there that a lot of people are saying 12 to 15 teams are interested in, in this piece of trash. And it's like, no, it's, you know, you might say that because you're a Bruins fan and so on and unhappy that things didn't work out because he was a, uh, number one pick in that 2015 freaking you know draft. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, but that's fine. Here, let me give you a lead question though that maybe you can just you know tap back in your thought is because a lot of the league has called on him. Like, try to maybe think of like like what do you think 
you know, value they see in DeBrus that maybe where it's not happening here, something like that. Because I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Oh, I think definitely one of the most attractive things about Jake is his speed. He's he's got wheels and he can move. Um, and he obviously at certain points in his career here, he's shown the scoring touch. And even this year, I mean, he he's sniped a couple of goals already this year where it's sh- that that it puts his talents on display of what he can do. My problem with Jake, and it's always been my problem with Jake, is the inconsistency. He doesn't bring it every single night. And he doesn't get his nose as dirty as I think he should. And, but his talent is there. You can see it just by watching him play. And I think that's why if there has been as many as 12 or 15 teams that are interested, that's why, because we, everybody's seen his flashes of brilliance, but everybody has also seen that he can sometimes be basically invisible sometimes. And he doesn't go get his nose too dirty at times. He doesn't go into the greasy areas enough. He does a lot of skate buys. If he would just take a direct route to the net, he'd probably get a lot of those those grimy goals that everybody needs to have. And I mean, there's no doubt that a change of scenario is probably what's needed here. I don't like it because I wish he could could have done that here, but um. I, I uh, see, I'm kind of torn with Jake because of the times that I've loved him for the reasons that I've said why. And then there's times where he drives me out of my mind for the same reasons that I've already said. He's not consistent enough. And you, it, and my, Mark knows, and you know, uh, Hella, you got to bring it every night. You know what I mean? Even if you don't feel well or you're sick or whatever the case may be, give it everything you have every night. And even if it's not top of the top of the charts level of things that you can do, you still got to bring it. And I'm afraid that there are times where Jake hasn't. And you can see with the times that he's been put on the ninth floor that he's kind of lost a little favor with Cass. And I just don't know if there's any repairing it at this point. And maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. I don't know, but... It's, it's sad, but it's also something that needs to be done because you can't have a hole like him in the lineup on an inconsistent basis. You need him to be there every single game, and he isn't there every single game. And maybe it is a change of scenery that he needs. I don't know, but I, I hope they do something sooner than later just so whatever it is they do bring in, they can now get acclimated with the new team. You know what I mean? And that's been part of the problem with the Bruins all all year long is they've had so many new faces in the lineup that it's taken a while for them to mesh and to meld. And that's why I hope they don't drag this out too long. I just really hope that if they're going to do something, do it. Don't drag your feet on it. And that's that's basically my feeling on it. Mark, I wanted to ask you – do you think that DeBrus seems to have a higher value? I mean, if teams are inquiring, I'm not saying he's a first, we're trading him for a first round draft pick kind of thing, but do you think that there are things that 
maybe like in Boston, people get frustrated. And I get, I love Jake DeBrus, but I get frustrated with the inconsistencies. But I also think moving around the lineup, always moving line mates, always this doesn't help the game either. But do you think there's a lot of things that Jake DeBrusque does that the other teams see from Jake DeBrusque? But because everyone's so focused on him being in the 2015 draft, he's not scoring 27 goals. It kind of gets lost in the shuffle with him always moving around the lineup. Obviously, the coach and him, there's something about them. Um, I feel like DeBrusque is only still here because I think that Neely and Sweeney really like DeBrusque, but him and Bruce Cassidy just can't click. So, like, do you do you think there's a lot of things Jake has done that get ignored because he's not being the Jake DeBrusque everyone wants him to be instead of yeah. letting him maybe be the Jake DeBrusque he is for a little bit and work it out? I do. I, you know, I, I, you know, getting sit, sat and watch from the ninth floor isn't a help for confidence. You know, um, I mean, a lot of, a lot of players get a benefit from that. You know, we, I get to step my game up, like particularly Eric Hall. Um, he, you know, he got sat down and look what he's done for the past two games, a totally different player. And, um, but you know, it, each player takes things differently. Um, I, I think, Jake's upside is very attractive to other teams, whether you agree or not. It's just his playing style can work in different systems. We don't play in a one system league here. Everything's different. Um, where you place in the lineup, what your role is and so on. It's, it's so Jake might be thinking of, of that and saying, you know what? I do have good upside. I do have this and that I am young and I'm still working on my game. Um, maybe that could be accelerated by facilitating a move elsewhere. And and I totally agree with them. Um, I just want to see something that comes back uh, that's comparable. And, you know, I'm hearing that like a second round and a, a, a prospect could do it. And, and I was kind of wowed by that because I, I don't know if that's the, the right thing for him. I'm not a really good evaluator of players, but it just seems like that the way he's playing, it wouldn't garner that much back, but I guess there's a, there's, that's what they'd like. I'm, I'm not saying that that's official or anything like that, but it sounds like the Bruins would like a pick and in, in a, in a prospect on the way back. So, and, and you also could do Jake in a, uh, in a package deal and use him as a leverage piece for something bigger, you know? So uh, I know we do need a defenseman. We do need a forward. There's a lot of things that this team needs right now before I can even consider them, them saying that they're going to make a long run, let alone a playoff appearance this year. So, We'll see what happens. I think you need to get more than Jake DeBrusque back. Whether that means we have to package something with Jake. Now, I think Jake alone should be able to net you at least a second round pick. Even if you don't get anything back for him, Jake DeBrusque is worth to some team out there a second round pick. He's not, I mean, he's got some experience. He's been to the playoffs. He's had some really brilliant moments. Uh, and overall, I think that Jake has looked better this year. Yeah, sure, he still hasn't got the fire back, but he's not falling down. He's skating hard, but not falling down like he was doing. You know, like his head seems a little more in the game, but I do think that the ongoing, I'm not sure if it's he doesn't know what, but obviously he knows he has to perform. He's an NHL player. I don't mean it that way, but I think that Jake is confused about what this organization even wants from him. What is my role? You keep changing okay. my role. And sometimes that doesn't help a player figure out their game either. Cause like we talked about last week, you're damned. If you do, you're damned if you don't. And I think the last draw for him, like you said, Eric Halla bounced back this week, right? Like, Oh, okay. I got benched. 
he hasn't been a Bruin long enough to get all the, like, you keep getting chances. DeBrusque has. Some of them maybe he hasn't earned, but some of them he has. And I think that gets lost. But I think that was the last draw for Jake, and that's why the trade stuff became public. Whoever leaked it out, I'm not saying Jake DeBrusque did, maybe his agent did. Like I said, I don't trust Don Sweeney didn't, okay? Like, okay, well, now they're mad that he's on the ninth floor, so this is heading to a head. Let's get ahead of it. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you can at least get a second-round pick for Jake. I think if we package Jake and one of our other prospects that we have, I mean, you don't want to give up assets, but if you can give up Jake and a prospect, you might be able to get those picks that you were talking about or our prospect or a player comparable, you know, maybe you get a third or fourth liner, but you also get a pick or two with it because there are a lot of teams that are really, really poorly off in this league. And I know as Bruins fans, we, you, We've been for the last couple of weeks, like, how is this happening to us? But we're still better than a lot of other teams, even as a hot mess. And there are a lot of teams that could use Jake and find him a home, find him a spot. You know, this kid has had expectations out of control on him since he walked off that podium. Right. I mean, it ain't easy playing along David Krejci and playing the magical. We don't have a right wing thing for the first few years of your career. Then there's COVID. Then there's this. That's not excuses. Jake has to own his own, you know, but I also think he's not as bad as people like him to be. And I do think we can get a good amount back for him. Nothing spectacular. He's a $3 million player. You know, he is what he is. I think this week he's been hot, cold, whether displaying himself or not. But at the same time, the backlash, like we'll talk about Tuesday's game just quickly in passing, but are you going to want to skate hard for a team or for fans that are literally booing you? Like, that's not motivating either. That's as well, motivating as being on the ninth floor. You know what I mean? He was put into that position. So if if call-ups were allowed in from Providence, you got to protect your trade asset and you sit his ass. That's It's just that's how it is. Because you couldn't call up anybody because of the COVID outbreak in Providence, he had to play. You needed to him have him on that roster. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, you also need DeBrus to showcase himself a little bit too. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a weird balance now. Like not for anything, Tarasenko wanted a trade a year and a half ago and he's still sitting on the blues. And if you can't, now that's a lot bigger money and he's had some major injury, you know, you're a little iffy, but what is he doing? He's still being Tarasenko on the blues. He's either buying all in and he's still waiting around, would still like to get out of there. Yeah, that's something we could talk about. People are like, we'll trade We'll trade Jake DeBrus for Vladimir Tarasenko. Listen, I'm not kidding you. In my head, I thought I will trade half of the Boston Bruins, half of the Providence Bruins for Tar Tarasenko and one of their defensemen because we could use help. But in all seriousness, there is a weird balance. Yes, if you could have had call up, but then you still, you're not displaying DeBrusque and he's kind of in that stagnant, hadn't been showing. But the prospects always get hurt when they come up here. So how long would it be before you had to put them in? Like, to play every other thing. I don't know. I think, do you think DeBrusque has played better or worse this week? I think he's played pretty much the same. He's had moments of showing off a little bit, you know, like what yeah, he he's, had he's had flashes. He's had flashes. Oh yeah. No doubt. The goal he scored, um, I believe it was in the Detroit game. That was a snipe and a half. Yeah. And that's what all these quote unquote, 15 teams that are interested, they want to see. And that can only help facilitate a trade if that's what is going to happen ultimately. And honestly, I see him going out in the West coast. I think a team out in the West coast, Western Canada, 
they'll be the ones that step up and actually make their play for him. I mean, I've heard rumblings from uh, out of Seattle that like Vince Dunn and Mason Appleton possibly for Jake and a pick. I mean, I've heard different things coming out of Calgary that they might be interested, even Edmonton. And that's, if he's going to go anywhere, I think those are the places where he'll be able to showcase what, what his talents are. And he fits into that type of system that they have out there. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I just, at this point, everything, all the cards are out on the table now. And I just really hope that they do something sooner than later because they drag this, the longer they drag this out, it's just going to, it doesn't help the Bruins because you don't know what you're going to get out of Jake, what he has left to give to the Bruins. And if that, and if he's not being able to show himself to the teams that are interested, they're not going to get the return that they should get for Jake. So I just think that whatever they're going to do, they should try to hurry up and do it. And you know what I mean? Don't, don't do do it, rushing it and not get the deal that you should get, but don't wait too long. You know what I mean? Just, Get it done. You know what I mean? If that's the mindset from Jake and the team, get it done. Because it's only going to hurt the team in the long run. And whatever it is you get back, you need to incorporate those players or whatever the case may be into the, the new team and try to move forward. Because the mediocrity, the mediocrity of this team so far this year has been maddening. Because we all know that there are – they're a little bit better than what they've shown to this point. And the fact that they haven't really won the big games yet in all the big games that they've played, they have not played well. And that needs to change, especially if they want to get in the playoffs. I mean, they got to catch Detroit right now in the standings to get into a playoff spot. And Detroit doesn't look like they're letting up any, you know, granted Petruzzi being hurt for them hurts them right now, but they still have, a lot of young talent on that team that's been performing well for them. And they've got to get this, their acting gear because we're 20 games in give or take, depending on how many you've had. And if you're going to start making your move, you better start doing it soon because otherwise you're going to be left not, not in the playoff picture. And that's unacceptable for this team. I think. True. Yeah. And uh, we did lose that just quick as we're moving towards the next topic. That was Tuesday in the Bruins world. We did end up losing, uh, we lost our coach to COVID protocol first thing in the morning. Uh, Joe Sacco took over. Uh, we can talk about him in a minute to see how you think. Uh, I mean, obviously they're all the same coaching system. These things are in place for people to be able to step up, but how Joe Sacco, we think we, he's been doing this week, but uh lost to the Red Wings two to one. It was a very boring hockey game. DeBrusque and Hollow were back in, like Mark pointed out, Providence has been on lockdown because of COVID COVID pro. Oh. Illness protocols. Sorry. Uh, Pasternak got a power play goal. That was the only one. Allmark only faced 16 shots. We put what? Like 42 shots on net and nothing's going in. This just proves it's more than a Jake DeBrus problem. You can't put 42 shots on anybody. Laws of averages. You should have more than one goal when that happens. Uh, and Jake DeBrus got booed by the garden crowd, which as we visited, I, I think it's, I've had a few players on my team in my years that I absolutely despised and did not want here, but I would never actively vote against my own players. I will, like you don't boo Jake DeBrusque. You want him to bury the puck, even if he wants out of here. So also, why are you so offended? I mean, 
players come, players go, you know, like as a fan, like keep it yeah. classy, Boston. That's all I'm saying. Keep it classy. Um, yeah. So coach Cassidy, what do you think coach Cassidy being gone? Do we have any idea like how long he might be gone? I haven't heard any like moving towards coming out of protocols or anything. Uh, I don't, the only I, thing I've heard is he's only showing mild symptoms, Okay, well, but he's good. not better, better. So I don't know how that translates into how much time he's going to be gone for, but at least he's not like sick, sick. So we can take some solace in that. But And Mark is Providence. Well, I mean, a Sean and them came up yes for yesterday's game, but are they still are a lot of the team? Are they still in COVID protocols? Does it look like they're having this week canceled as well? I know games were canceled. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, all three games this weekend were canceled. Friday against Hartford, uh, Saturday against uh, – uh, shit, I don't remember who they're playing or, or or the one today. Oh, Utica today, Bridgeport last night, uh, all got canceled because of the uh, the protocols. But um, Ashan and, and Steen were called up, but I think that they were showing more or less uh, the healthy side of the club, which – kind of relieve them to come up and so on. I think that they're still under a lockdown. I'm not mm -hmm. totally sure how it works. Um, this is this is all very strange to me. So, Yeah, things are blowing up a little. We can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that has created a problem this week, though, right? Because you can't call in reinforcements. Like you said, you have to put DeBrusque in. You have to put Hollow back in, whether you want to or not. I mean, Hollow is probably going in anyways, but DeBrusque, uh, hopefully he steps up, but now, I mean, maybe it's something like maybe they um, took enough tests and they were negative that they were allowed to not, you know, at least step out of like full on quarantine or whatever happens. I don't know the exact, obviously I don't sign the contracts to do it, but uh, we lost there. So then it was more drama, uh, another drama with Jake DeBrusque's mom and hags on there. I just have to mention the Jake DeBrusque show. Haggard, yeah, well, there was a lot that happened around this young man. And I just had to mention it because it is one of the funniest things. Because obviously Bruins Twitter is ridiculous, right? So after watching everyone meltdown, I just said props to Cindy. Like she, she's not wrong. Uh, I, so I guess I, the last question I wanted on DeBrusque was, do you feel that he is obligated to talk to the media? Even if Haggerty or whoever wants him to, I get they want him to. Like, do you think that he is under obligation to speak to the media, the people, the Joe Haggerty's of the world for some kind of, just to get his quotes out there? What do you think about that? Or any player, not just him. Is any player under an obligation that they have to, unless the team tells them they have to go out there as their bosses? I think, think there is a contractual aspect of that where, there is a certain amount of media accessibility you have to give. I don't know what the exact numbers are, the exact quotients are, but um, Jake's in every, has every right to not answer any question he doesn't want to answer. I mean, it's still America and you can't be forced into anything as far as that goes. Um, but if I was Jake, I would do like an interview with, somebody from Nesson or yeah. somebody from the Boston uh, media community and then hash out all the questions that everybody wants to ask, but get it out in one, one shot. And then he doesn't have to do it anymore. And then 
when it comes down to any other media things, just answer questions about whatever the game might be that he's talking about or things like that. But he's, he's, I know there's a certain amount of obligation and media accessibility that they all have to do. But as far as what he wants to answer, that's up to Jake. If he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to. But he also has to keep in mind that that may look bad to teams that are possibly thinking about dealing for him. So it's a fine line you have to kind of balance beam on when you do things like that. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that there's a frustration period when when you're not able to talk about something, especially with media, when you're there to you know get to get the scoop, find out what 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 a player is actually thinking, you know, in this whole process and so on. And maybe that process is a little much for a player that he does decline and just wants to like you know not talk to the media, but just kind of get out of here as soon as possible. And I get that aspect too. Um, this, this, this can't be easy for Jake or the organization, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't get all heated about it. Like some people do when they're unable to ask a certain question and so on, because it kind of reminds me of, of how everything went with Tim Thomas back in the day and his political views. They were just really attacking that and and kind of um, neglected to really talk about the problem that was, you know, on the ice, you know, or or the good game on the ice. It was always about something else. So it's just, I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough one for me because I really don't know. That was a good point, though. They Not that, obviously, Timmy had his issues go, but the media kind of backed him into a situation where he was so defensive about his off-the-ice stuff, right? Because they didn't, he's out there to answer questions about him as a player on the Bruins, right? And I think, like, with the Jake DeBrus situation, it's strange because I don't think anybody doesn't know. Like, what are you going to ask him? Why do you want out of here? I mean, we've been, Jake's only played on this team. We all know what's been going on, you know? I also think what Lance said is a, is a much better idea. Because one, nobody knows that the Bruins and Jake didn't come to a agreement that he won't go out there because it might make it awkward for both sides in this negotiation, you know? And they asked him if he wanted to. He said he wasn't comfortable. Given how we know that Jake sometimes can get in and out of his own head sometimes, you know, like, so maybe they didn't push it and said, we respect you don't want to go out there. We absolve you of that obligation. Anybody they're negotiating with, they're going to tell them that when they're talking to him. He's not being oppositional. He's not trying to be a drama queen, whatever. On the other hand, it would be better, much better, if he sat down with an Eric Russo or somebody and just did an interview than to be out there with all of them asking him questions. There's too much room for you to say something that you don't necessarily mean to say out loud or whatever if you get frustrated in I wouldn't answer questions by people like Joe Haggerty either because I don't trust what I'm saying is not going to get taken out of context. Where an actual interview, it's you. And yeah, it gets edited or whatever, but like you have more say over maybe what you're being asked. You can already hash out, not to not push hard questions, but like what is the boundary as opposed to a player just shutting down? We've seen Marshawn do it, right? How many times has he just sat there? He's at media, but his arms are crossed and he's just being a little brat about it. Like, mm-hmm, stupid question, move on. Like just, would that be better for Jake DeBrus to just shut down on the mic? No, I don't really care what Joe Agatty has to say though, because he's not one that I really... I hate to say that, but for me is not someone I think is, I know he has credentials, but to me is not a real like reporter in the way that maybe someone from Nesson or even ESPN or somebody would have, you know, 
Um, ESPN might even be a better idea because then you can showcase him, his words out there. Other teams can kind of hear where his headset's at, why they're talking to the team. I don't know, but I just don't feel any player is obligated. Just like I don't feel, and this is why I was like, yeah, right on, you know, Mama DeBrus, because none of the players are are also obligated to answer. And they are indeed going to ask him whether Jake talks or not. They're going to ask the players. Remember, they did it the last, even the last few off seasons. We had to deal with it. Everybody asking about Chara. Everyone asking about Cruz. Everyone asked. He doesn't know. You know, they don't know. But Bergeron doesn't want to talk about Dabrowski the way, right? Because that's his teammate, his buddy, whatever. By all accounts, it's nothing that's in the locker room. Like, the boys love Jake. But everyone understands Jake needs a fresh start. I think they're having a weird balance between supporting Jake and trying to keep him together to get him traded and get this fresh start and get what they can get out of it. Cause he's not leaving out of not liking him. He's leaving because it's not working here. You know, sometimes you got to right. break up the relationships come to the end, but I think that it is probably best. He doesn't talk because this media is not like other people. If this was Iowa then, or maybe people would be kinder, but this is Boston. And no matter what he says, it's going to get skewed. It's going to get taken out of context. And it's not going to help Jake or the Bruins either way with him at media. So I say keep your mouth shut. Also, I don't feel you should have to be under our obligation. I spend half the time on the ninth floor. What do I have to talk about? No, I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> talk about that. Just say no. Or, I mean, like I said, what's better? He just goes up there, no comment, no comment, no comment. And then that's not fun because Jake's kind of a loose, like, fun guy, you know? Like, he doesn't want to be up there, Mr. Robot. That's... That's miserable, but all right. I think we are about to our break. I think Bruce Sullivan should be in our lives soon. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, let's take a, a break. We'll hear from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some awesome stuff as I talk about all week, every week here in the Black and Gloggy podcast. Signed hand, hand signed jerseys for really cheap prices. Unbelievable stuff. And he had a, a signing this week with Bobby Carpenter, Sean Thornton. And somebody else I cannot remember, but I'm sure he'll talk about it um, uh, in the upcoming uh, mid-show break. So uh, we'll hear from Bruce. We'll be right back. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are pleased to announce our Black Friday sales event. Choose any autographed JSA-authenticated and inscribed Bruins jersey for just $69. Or buy three or more and pay just $59 each with free shipping. Choose from Busick's black, white, gold, or all-star jersey. Cheever's black or white style jersey. Middleton black or white style jersey. Don Marcotte black or white style jersey. Or Terry O'Reilly black or white style jersey. $69 each or three or more and get them for $59 a piece. We are pleased to announce upcoming signings with 2011 champ Sean Thornton and Peabody native NHL All-Star Bobby Carpenter on December 4th. We will have jerseys, pucks, minis, and photos for both players. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, Check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! Mm-hmm. 
What's up, Bees fans? We are back, and you just heard from the awesome Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Dude, I'm telling you, dude and dudettes, I should say. I cannot forget the dudettes. Um, but uh, <laughs> Heather won't let you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> please, please reach out to Bruce Sullivan. The holidays are coming up, and this is a great opportunity to spice up the fan cave with signed pictures, signed pucks, signed hand- jerseys unbelievable stuff so check out bruce and and everything he has over at the boston sports and music memorabilia facebook page and and shoot him an email to inquire about future signings and what he has in his inventory because the prices are unbelievable so but let's get back to the boston bruin talkie talk as we wrap up this freaking program heather where are we going now Okay, so um, thir- that was all that that we just talked about. It took us an hour to talk about the first three days of the week. Uh, Thursday, we did play the Predators in Nashville at the Bridgestone Arena. We won two to nothing. Jeremy Swayman gets a shutout. He made forty-two saves. Uh, Jake DeBrusque with the snipe uh, that Lance referenced earlier on the power play from Smith and Coyle. They Smitty was down. We're going to talk about line. We'll talk about the lines a little bit before we wrap up, but. Um, Bergeron got pounded a lot during this game uh, and there's been a lot of debate this week. So we won great. We like points. Uh, again, we continue win one, lose one, win one, lose one. But um, I would like to talk a minute about um, are we still failing to respond to people banging us around this ice? Because I feel like we are. I know people want to say, I, I know Felino, like he stepped up a little bit and Frederick, like, you know, made a little bit of jet, you know, like I don't feel like they didn't respond at all, but I don't think they're responding the right ways enough. Yep. No, I totally agree. I was uh, thoroughly, thoroughly unimpressed with the response to the uh, liberties that were taken on the captain, Patrice Bergeron, in this game particularly. Um, That was a statement game, in my opinion. This was a really big bounce-back game. Um, And I I thought that going into Nashville was going to be a lot tougher, but... um, you know, the, the goaltender, Jeremy Swayman, he played very well. Big bounce back for him, too. His rebound control. I know it's only one game, but his rebound control is much better. Things have really starting to fill in for him uh, and getting that mo- more of a confidence level. But going back to the physicality and where was it, it's tough. You know, it's like you, that you needed to do something more, in my opinion, and not just take a number. And then uh, we'll see you back here in uh, January 14th, whatever, in a month. No, that needed to be done as soon as possible. And I didn't. Patrice was livered. He was pissed. I haven't seen him like that in a long time. But um, we we just needed more. You know, if they're going to do that to them, then they should have gone after Forsberg. Or they should have gone after, you know, um, an, another player. Duchesne on that team. Yeah, exactly. Well, Yossi. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so um, yeah, I, I wanted a, a more of a response, and it just wasn't there. Maybe I don't know what was going on, to be honest with you. But it's they've got to be better because, to be honest with you, this is the type of shit that will not have Patrice Bergeron sign another year if he has to put his body through all of that. And I we know he's a warrior and so on. We totally get it, but. If he's putting that much wear and tear on his body at the end of the year, he might not want to do this again. So, I mean, stick up for the guy and create a little bit of longevity for him because if we could, I'd love to see him back another year. But, you know, if he retires, he retires. People do it because they know they can. And that's what I'm sick of. The reason people do this is because they know, even though we're the big bad Bruins, quote unquote, we really aren't. And we haven't been for a long time and they continue to do it. 
Yeah. This I, this has been one thing that this team has lacked for a bit is there's no sandpaper. Unfortunately, this team feels just like velvet. You know what I mean? And that's all well and good when things aren't going well, when things are going well. But when things like this happen, you got guys taking liberties against your captain. And Mark was right. You step up that game. Don't wait till January 14th or whenever the hell it is they play them again. You take care of that shit right there. And that's one thing this team has lacked since Sean Thornton left. That was never a worry when Thornton was on this team. If somebody took liberties, Thornton was like, yeah, I got this. And he took care of it. And that's just hasn't been with this team. And and like Mark said, this could cause Patrice not to want to resign another another contract. And then where are we? We lose Krejci one year, we lose Bergy the next. Oh, it's an inev- oh, that's inevitable, though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Bergy could still play another couple of years if it's worth his time. Mm. You know what I mean? But if nobody's going to have his back then why would he? And I, that's just unacceptable in my opinion. And then, yeah, we were the big Brad Bruins. We aren't anymore. We were. And the fact that we've lost that part of our makeup is hurting the team because there are like, I know we're not going to have line brawls and bench clearing brawls anymore. That's not the NHL. And they basically legislated that crap out of the game, but you still have to police yourselves if the referees aren't and you need an immediate response to things that, especially if they're taking liberties with your captain, you have to respond to that, that game, that period, that next shift, whatever the case may be. And we sadly have not been doing that. And it's a, it's, it's a big problem for me because I know when I played, I was the grittiest piece of sandpaper you want to play against. And that's just a given, you know what I mean? It was never something you had to think about or, or talk about. That's a, It was just a given, and it, that doesn't seem to be the case with this team, and it bothers me because not only do I think that would help the team overall, but I think that type of attitude lends to camaraderie and that whole us-against-them mentality, and that leads to wins in the long run too. And I just – it's something that is lacking with this team and it, and I think it needs to be addressed. That's my thing is I think that we were always a hard team to play against because we could get you offensively, but we were just, I, I think I mentioned it last week, just we were a defensive powerhouse. Even if offensive wasn't happening, we stayed in it because as a team, I mean, they weren't afraid to get into it. You know, we take enough stupid penalties, maybe every now and then when someone's like just manhandling your captain out there, Take a penalty, you know, back in the day, you say no stupid penalties, right? Well, some penalties aren't stupid, even if they are. And it's a lot better for me to, you get, end up getting, I don't know, high sticking or something because you stood up for your captain, especially your captain. If you're not going to stand up for your captain, then it is what it, I mean, that tells me a lot about the chemistry going on in this locker room. Do you know what I mean? Can yeah. you imagine? Could you imagine if Zdeno Chara was on that ice and someone did that to Bergeron? Not to bring up Chara, I'm just using him as an example. Right. Think Chara would have cared about a stupid penalty? No. He'd care no. about punching you in your fucking face for doing that to Bergie, right? Like, <laughs> we have lost, I think. And I'm sure it's just because the team's turning over. But that was one of the things that made this team great for the last decade and a half, is that idea that we are brothers in arms and no one is going to do that, right? Um, 
I much rather would have seen someone take a penalty over that than like Riley ended up just, he retaliated and he ends up in the box. You know, like I'd rather see someone take a five for fighting just to prove the point. Cause then, you know what, the next time people aren't going to do that because they're like, well, shit, the Bruins are going to respond, but we can't seem to get that. Why? And it's driving me nuts. We need, you can be grit and not be that 1970s hockey grit, you know, like there's, grit in this time now too. And maybe if we got a little grittier, they wouldn't take the puck away from us all the time. Maybe we could bury the puck. We could push bodies out of the way in front of our own goaltender and in front of other people's nets. I, I just, oh. it's driving me nuts and it's going to get worse. You are preaching to the choir on that. There was a game that uh, the Vancouver game, the goal that Connor Garland scored. Omak was screened on that goal. Okay. And I understand that that's the game. You got to try to take the goalie's vision away. But there literally was not a Bruin within three feet of the guy that was screening Allmark. Now, that's, I was a defenseman. Okay. And that was like a cardinal rule. You get that SOB out of your goaltender's face by hook or by crook. And I know they're clamping down on the cross check in and out, but that's fine. You can push, you can elbow. You can get that SOB out of your goalie's face so he could see the puck. And I'm firmly convinced that if Almark had better vision on that shot coming at him, he would have made a save on that play. Mm-hmm. And that is what's bothering me about, the, especially the, the defensive part of this team. Get that son of a bitch out in front of your goaltender's way. You know what I mean? Do it is whatever it is you have to do to get your goalie to have the vision he needs to make a stop or at least know where the shot was going so he can at least try to get a body part in that area. You know what I mean? Deflections happen and there's nothing you can do about those. But damn it, get that son of a bitch out in front of your net. That's like, I mean, that's written in the the, the, hockey, the hockey commandments. Get that fucker out of the way of your goaltender so we can see the puck. My seven-year-old does that. <laughs> like most you know, people. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Gets I mean, in the, the way. In this game, now, it's all about screening the goalie. But you don't have to let him stand there. Get him the frig out of the way. And it's driving me crazy because, granted, we have some smaller guys on our defense, but we also have some bigger guys in our defense. And damn it, use that body to get the guy out of the way of your goaltender so we can see the puck. You know what I mean? And that there's too many goals that they've I've seen them score against them this year where a little more sandpaper, so to speak, and get that fucker move just enough so the goalie has at least a reasonable chance to expect where that shot was going so he can make a save. And he doesn't because he's not screened and because he's screened and they haven't moved that guy enough out of the way so he even has a shot at making a save. And that's what's been driving me crazy. Yeah, um, that's an ongoing problem. We've talked, I know Mark and I have talked about a million times of it. Sometimes it's like the Bruins are watching other people hang out in their own end and just watching them play hockey and are not making any coverage or, you know, everyone, then other people are working twice as hard on that. But um, that's a good transition, though, speaking of defense, because we lost uh, Zaboral during the Predators game and it looks like he's going to be out for a while because they just moved him to the IR. I think yesterday or last night or something like that. I thought he was going to be reevaluated. I don't think any movement has been mentioned yet. 
Right. But I thought it said, I thought I saw it on cat friendly. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but he didn't look good. It didn't look good. Uh, when he was getting off the ice uh, yeah, from, from the, on that leg from yeah. last night's telecast and the guys on Nesson, it, I had, I was reading the room that saying that they might think that it might not be so bad. That's why they're trying to reevaluate in a couple of days before they actually come down and say, listen, now we have to put you on the IR or LTIR for cap yeah. relief. Yeah. I don't think it was LTIR with the thing that I had seen. Um, but that might have been from yesterday, right? Because a Sean came up. You know what I mean? Like that might have been roster moves from when they came up. Um, but the point being, he's been playing really awesome. Um, I'm not saying that the injury is necessarily really bad. It just, it looked really bad on the ice, what happened with his leg, you know? And he's had problems before, right? Uh, you know, you don't want to, I don't know. I This defense is a shit show. And I think the last thing that it can afford is to lose Zaboral. And yesterday, well, I mean, we'll fly through the Tampa game and after we talk about Zaboral, but and then McAvoy was out too, and Grizzlick and Carlo are now your top pair. Like the last thing this defense needs, and I like Jack Ashan and all that, you know, whatever. But we can't lose Zaboral. He's been effective when he's up. He's been consistent when he's up. I agree with Mark that he would be all right pairing up there with McAvoy, you know, like things have been moving around up there, but I think this will be a big loss, like bigger loss than like, I, I don't mean to offend Trent Frederick, but I mean, seeing meaningful loss within the defense has looked a little better this week. Not perfect. Like you said, move people out of your net or whatever. But to me, I think that if Zaboral is out more than a couple more games, like that is not like panic button, but that might be the difference between gaining more points or continuing to kind of stagnate over here. I don't know. Mark, any thoughts on that? I know you're a big Zaboral guy. I like, yeah, I like uh, Yakov and hopefully he's going to come back sooner rather than later because he really has been making impacts into this defensive uh, core um, and, and surprising. I mean, I, I've known his talent, but I didn't want to like over pump his tires and so on with like mentioning his upside all the time. But it, it just has to be shown when he when he when he gains a little bit more trust from the coaching staff. And we're seeing it. It's paying dividends right now. It's taken a lot longer than than it has. I mean, he was a uh, 2015 first round draft pick. So um but it just sucks when when you see something so good and a kid really trying and really getting it. And it seems like he's coming into his own that an injury happens to happen like this. But like I said before, I'm kind of like reading the room of what people are saying, uh, saying, you know, that this is probably not that bad. It might be just like a stinger or something like that. But like they're going to reevaluate. And but I, I just hope that he gets back into the lineup because. You know, without him, it, it it is a lot tougher. It's a long, it's a it's a higher hill to climb, and so on. When you're putting the plug and plays in there that you know haven't been uh, uh, along for the ride for most of the season thus far with the chemistry factor and so on. So I don't know. I I, I just been proud of of, of Zboril and and what he's shown so far, and it just really sucks that this had to happen. It's just. It, it and it's just like you said, Heather. The, the kids are coming up and they're getting injured and then they're going down. I mean, uh, Zach Sanishin had like a nice little stretch of three or four games when he came up last season in the abbreviated 56 game season and played well and then got hit. And then he was out for a while and went back down to Providence and so on. It's just 
it's very unfortunate that this shit has to happen, but it is the game. It is fast and shit does happen. Yeah, it is definitely a shame as for, for Zavaro because we were finally seeing all the hype and potential that we were talked about with him. And it was coming to fruition finally because he was a solidifying factor on that defense when he finally came up that when he got recalled the last time. And he was almost like one of those missing pieces because you could see in the way he plays. He, the thing with Zaboro, he's very subtle in what he does. Mm-hmm. He makes subtle moves. He He's always been a great passer. I've always liked that about his game from the start. But there's little subtle moves that he makes in the offensive zone that gives him space and it was all starting to come together for him. And then when he got hurt that, Oh man, it crushed me. Cause I was like, God, we're finally getting out of him. What we all thought we were going to get out of him. And now he's hurt. And it's like, damn it. Every time you get to, you know, you put the, the car in first gear and you blow your clutch before you have a chance to start down the quarter mile. And it's, it's frustrating because I was really thinking that he was starting to blossom. And I, I just hope that whatever it is that is wrong with him, that they it doesn't take too long for him to get back because he was playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. You know what Definitely. I mean? And it, it put Connor Clifton where right now Connor should be is the seventh defenseman. You know what I mean? Jake was Jake Jacob was part of that 2015 draft. Everybody thought it was going to be Jake was the one that was going to be the star from it, but it may turn out that it's Jacob that is. And with the way he was playing, he was showing that that's why they drafted him when they drafted him because he was playing very, very well. It's just a yeah. shame. I just hope he can get back soon. That fifth 2015 draft, man. Just, <laughs> just, uh, okay. Uh, well, we played yesterday, Mark's birthday again. Happy birthday. Just wanted to say we haven't said it in an hour and a half. Um, we played the Tampa Bay Lightning at home. Uh, that being said, Jack Ashan got called up. Connor Clifton was back in because Charlie McAvoy was not in over a non uh vid related illness. Uh, I don't know what word to say. I mean, it is what it is, it's his proper name. I'm trying not to say the word, Mark, but it's hard. That's what I'm I know. Calling. It's well, like it's they're calling just, you, it just sucks because freaking shows are getting like yeah, locked on Twitter now. It's like yeah. my favorite, one of my favorite freaking uh YouTube shows is uh Travel Oilers. And he's a goaltender, right-handed goaltender, so he's freaking amazing. Um, but uh, you know, every time he says that freaking that word, his YouTube channel somehow gets freaking compromised. I don't know, it's just weird. That's just so weird. It's like you would think they wouldn't let the algorithms be the ones that are deciding. Actually, let someone watch the content so you can see what context and which certain words or whatever are being used, you know, like Doing a lesson on World War II about Nazis is different than Nazi propaganda, like you know, yeah. or whatever, or some like hate group out there doing. I'm just saying. But anyways, Ashan was in, Clifton was back in. Uh, as mentioned before, Carlo and Grizzly become the top pairing. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little nervous. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning who are starting to do Tampa things. Uh, that being said, it wasn't so bad. We lost three to two in overtime. Uh, it wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't. It could have been a lot worse. Uh, Stamkos got the game-winning goal in overtime doing Steve Stamkos things. I mean, what can you do? Uh, Charlie Coyle scored from Holla and Smith. I think that Smith Holla has continued to bounce back, and uh, Smitty's seemed comfortable down. He's been moving around the lineup a little bit too. They all have. I last night was I think Felino was on. Was he on the wing again? 
Like everyone's been moving around so much this week. I keep losing track, but Swayman got the loss. He did stop 22 shots. I don't think Tampa dominated us the way that Tampa could have probably dominated us. Uh, I mean, I don't think we look spectacular. I'm not like, wow, man, that was a pretty solid way, but I definitely was worried it was going to be like seven to two and that didn't happen, which was great. Uh, yeah. Any thoughts on a, uh, just the Tampa game last night, given all that's happened in Bruins land this week, uh, not as bad as it could have been probably to cap off. the week. I was actually, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised by the way they played last night. Um, unfortunately, when it, when they've been playing the big teams, they really haven't shown up sometimes. And I was kind of worried that that may have happened a lot, but that may happen last night. And it didn't, they played pretty well, like defensively, like the uh, Nashville game and this game defensively, they've been much, much better. And, um, I got to tell you, that was a hell of an apple by Holla to get it over to Coil. That was a sweet pass, man. Mm. That jumped me up out of my seat when he when I, when I saw the pass go between his legs, and I was like, "Oh, that was sweet!" And it basically changed the momentum around a little bit, so they could end up getting the tying goal and at least getting a point out of it. But they they played a whole lot better than I thought out they were going to play because the big games this year have not been big for Bruins fans, unfortunately, but. They did play well last night, and they did get a point out of it. So it's an improvement, and hopefully it can just build from there. And that game-tying goal, you said, that one was from Curtis Lazar from the top defensive pair, uh, Carlo and Grizzlick, respectively. Mark, what do you think about Tampa? Good, bad, ugly, mediocre? What do you think? Um, I was pleasantly surprised as well. Uh, I didn't expect – I mean, if you – I hate saying this, but uh, if you talk about schedule losses, it was almost like this was a given uh, with these two teams match up. It, just because of the the firepower that this team has, even though that they are minus Nikita Kucherov and and the other guy, I don't know. Braden Point. Yeah, Braden Point. They they still the, the Tampa Bay Lightning depth is still unbelievable, and they can come at still come at you in waves that of offensive freaking you know power, but. I was actually, you know, after the first period, I got killed on Twitter. I got killed on Twitter yesterday because I had a little buzz and I probably wasn't, probably shouldn't be <laughs> tweeting. But, uh, you know, like after the first period and it down one to nothing, I was just like, um, this could, this, this game could be a lot worse. And the Bruins are very lucky to be down one to nothing. And I got the I got the responses of are we watching the same game? <laughs> so, but no, I I thought that the Bruins played well. I think that they did okay against a team like that. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that they they didn't get the win at the end, but they walked away from with a point. Uh, and a point is good enough. I, I hate losing and so on, but there is there were definite things that you could take away from that game moving forward. I thought the uh, assertion of Jack Ashan on the back end for Charlie McAvoy, I mean, he didn't play top line minutes and so on, but he was a significant addition to the lineup last night, really played good defensive um, uh, style. And also he had that, you know, he used his speed and mobility to quickly transition out of the zone when he could. I thought there was a lot of good aspects to his game last night. Um, and Jeremy Swayman, Jeremy Swayman played, uh, um, much better. I mean, I know it sucks to lose and everything, but, uh, he played a really good game, but 
for me, it's games like this is when you really need that 60 minute effort. And I really have not seen that 60 minute effort at all this season. It's been 20 here and then you're off for the second period somewhere in la la land. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now we're desperate. We need to pick it up in the third period. You need a 60 minute effort against top echelon teams like Tampa Bay. Um, and even, you know, the schedule coming up uh, on the West coast, because they're going to be playing some really good teams out there too. Oh yeah. They, they better get it together going out West. Cause not only the travel and everything that goes along with that, but there's some good teams that are going to be playing. Yeah. I mean, and Calgary and Edmonton are no joke. No, especially not this year. They are definitely not. I don't know. Do they get San Jose in this trip? No, I go out there. No, no it's. I know Vancouver starts it. I'm not sure. And then Calgary and Edmonton, but um, there's there's quality teams out there and they better be on their game because they could get blown out big time out there if they don't. Yeah, we are playing. We're playing. We got the Canucks. We got the Oilers. We got the Flames. And then we come home and play Vegas. That's pretty much the week coming up. Okay. Which I'm like, that's weird. Why wouldn't we play Vegas and Vegas when we're already out there? But whatever. Um, Don't get me started about the schedule makers this year, yeah, please. Yeah. Well, Lance, every week Mark and I do studs and duds. Uh, I just didn't know as we go towards the last, I think, really kind of uh, we haven't done goaltending controversy 875 this week. But do you have any uh, studs that stuck out to you or? We, this we week, don't talk about duds. Anybody who really caught your eye, I'm going to give you this one. You're our guest. My stud for the for the week that passed was Jeremy Swayman. He was huge in the Nashville game. Was a brick wall. Faced 42 shots. Stopped them all. And against the Stanley Cup champs, the defending Stanley Cup champs, he played well against Tampa. You know what I mean? Grant, he didn't see a whole lot of rubber, but he saw enough. And he he definitely stepped up this week. And I think he definitely earns those, those honors from me. All right. Mark, did you have anyone who really stuck out to you? Eric Holler. That guy deserves um, a little bit of recognition. I know he's getting kind of the whipping boy, um, you know, mantra around here lately. But I thought he uh, really responded after uh, sitting up on the ninth floor and um, – and really was uh, instrumental in the second line um, production on uh, Thursday and uh, last night. So um, yeah, that was pretty cool with uh, working with uh, Coyle and Smith. Um, so I thought he was uh, really good. Um, no, I would agree. I could give it that. I think he bounced back real well. Uh, goaltending. I think Swayman seemed to settle back into himself a little bit this week. I mean, yeah, you got a loss or whatever, but just like we've talked about with Allmark, I, I'm more concerned about the things you're doing well and you're working on. I mean, losses yeah. can happen. Like you said, just like a screen, sometimes you give up a goal. It's more of what they're doing in net to try and find their groove. Uh, I didn't really have like any duds this week. Like I, yeah, I don't I feel like I didn't either. I thought they kept it together considering the media circus that was surrounding well, Mike team. Riley again. I'll give one to Mike Riley because he, I will give him turnover. a dud for that one particular play yesterday all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, I think he, 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 he'll, he'll get a dud in my book. Yeah. I've been kind of more disappointed in Mike Riley, Riley this year than I've been happy with him. He's, oh. uh, 
he gives the puck away way too much. Oh, the turnovers are terrible. Way too the much. Whole and I, and I love turnovers. Yeah. I'm down with that. <laughs> Riley's weird this week, though, too, because he had some good play. Like, you're like, oh, okay, Mike Riley's fixed. Like, whatever was going on with him, he seems He's more like fixed. the Mike Riley that had us all riled up last, you know, in the spring or whatever. And now I'm like, mm. then yesterday I was just like, mother, I said you were a Bruins defenseman and you are not doing what I said. And I do not like that. Okay. Cause I like <laughs> when I'm right. Like last night when we went to overtime, I'm like, Oh God, please let Jake DeBrusque score a game winning goal. I want to be psychic today. It didn't happen, but maybe if we had more time, but that's all I could think is all right. Game winning goal still on do it for you for value. I want what I can get for you. If I have to let you go. All right. Um, so there's one more big thing that I, we kind of didn't talk about. Uh, Tuka Rask was actually at practice with the goaltenders. Like, apparently, Tuka Don Sweeney couldn't have been more happy. It sounded like he has no doubt in his mind that Tuka Rask is coming back to be the Bruins goaltender. So that makes it even more confusing about the whole goaltending situation. But I guess it's not a dirty secret anymore. This seems to be the end game for the team. So I didn't know if you guys wanted to, uh, Lance, I'll let you go first. I'm sure Mark has many thoughts on the goaltenders. Um, but what do you think about this situation? Again, it's not I'm not anti-Tuka. I just feel like we're muddling the waters for... Oh, you're I'm not, not going to sure find anti-Tuka from me. I've been one of his biggest proponents for years when he's been nothing but hammered by the media and the fan base around here. Um, my problem is, and Mark and I kind of disagree as far as this goes, and that's fine. We both have our rights to our opinions. I understand the business aspect of it, and I get all that. I don't think Jeremy Swayman should have to get sent down. He's outplayed all Mark to this point, in my opinion. And I just. Oh, you're going to get me going, Lance. I know. And I know because we disagree on this and that's okay. I just. Look at how mad he's getting. It's okay. Keep going, Lance. He's fine. Like our opinions on Swayman are different with Mark and I, and that's okay. I just, just... Cut, cut, cut to the chase, Lance. What are you going to do with freaking all Mark? Oh, that's the thing. There's not because of the contract he signed, there is nothing we can do with Almark. And that means we have to send Jeremy down to Providence. Now, that could be a good thing as far as working on the things, excuse me, the things that Jeremy has to work on, which would rebound control and things like that. Almark, from what I've seen of him since he's gotten here, is not the same guy that he was when he was with Buffalo. And Buffalo was trash, and he played well for Buffalo. And he hasn't stepped up yet with us. I hope he does because of what's going to happen when Tuca comes back. But damn it. I know what Swayman is. I've been hearing about Jeremy Swayman for a long time. I knew what we were getting when we got him. And I just, I, it, that, that contract is just going to be an albatross around this team's neck. Another one. And damn it. It just it pisses me off because I think a Sway a Swayman Rask tandem would be fantastic. I don't know what a Rask Almark tandem is going to be, based on what Almark has shown us to this point. But I understand the business aspect of it. You're not going to put a guy on waivers for five million dollars and still have to eat three point five on the cap for it. 
Can't do it anyway. He's got a no movement. No movement clauses state that you cannot be moved to a team that's not on one of your lists that you agree to, or you do not agree to be waived. So it, it's just he we're stuck with this guy. Yep. Listen, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the contract. I wasn't happy with it either, especially the, the four years, fine. The trade protection, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like, but those are gar- probably guarantees that his agent and player really needed because he didn't want to feel like he was going to be second fiddle to somebody that was coming up the system like Jeremy Swayman and, and how he he's going to be our future and so on. I mean, it sucks, but the kid's on an entry-level deal. This is what happens with these types of contracts. He's waiver-exempt. And if and it just seems like the Boston Bruins are very interested in bringing Tuka Rask back if he's healthy because they're not seeing exactly what they're getting out of their goaltending tandem complete, not just an individual, but completely. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not overly thrilled with the idea either. But I'm also not panicking about it. And I don't understand how some fans not not not, you know, um, put, you know, putting you out there, Lance, at all. But the constant freak out about how this is going to change Jeremy's freaking um, thoughts, process and future development. Is this going to be a knock on him? Is this going to ruin his career if he has to go down for a, a year or the rest of the season? I don't believe so. This kid's this kid's like rock solid. He's got all the freaking coaches he needs. He's got psychiatrists and everything to talk about him when he's down and blah blah blah. I think everything's going to be fine. I just people just need to stop freaking out about this. It's just it's absolutely crazy and, and understand the business, which I know you do because you said it. But it's just that's the facts. It's just I don't get how people just say, "Well, wave all mark." No, you can't. Just stop saying that and do some research. All right. That's. Just- that's probably not the freak out that um that you're talking about. My freak out is we are locked into this situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that bothers me because I know what we have with Sway. And I thought I knew what we were getting with Allmark based on the fact that he was played really well on a trash bag team. And I thought that's what we were getting too. And with the unknown with Tuca, whether he was coming back, if he was going to bounce back or not, who knew? And I thought we would set up. And just the way the situation played out, that we are basically locked into having to send Jeremy down. And that in and of itself, I don't really have a big problem with because Sway can work on the things that he needs to work on while he's down there. But... I don't think that Sway's done anything to deserve it. Now I know that's the business part of it. And I get that. I completely understand that. I don't have to like it. It just pisses me off. Hey, well, all right. All right. Here's something that might piss you off now, right? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about lower level management people in the Boston Bruins organization that said to Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, you should roll with a Swayman Vladar tandem coming up because it's not only that it's going to help you on the salary cap. But if that was to happen, this all mark thing wouldn't have happened. And that that's something we talked about last week. And that's something that kind of pissed me off because now you're not even paying attention to the people that you're supposed to be paying attention to when it comes to having eyes on different situations of the organization and, and particularly you're developing depth. Right. 
like myself personally, I wouldn't have had a real big problem if we went into the season with a swim and Vladar tandem. Just because Vladar, before we traded him, with what he worked on with Mike Dunham and Goldie Bob, he was making that turn. Yeah. And we see it now with he's down with, with out in Calgary. He's playing really good goaltender for them. Yep. And I knew that we had that then. And when the trade was made initially, I was like, wow. And then I started looking at the free agent market and everything else that went on with it. And they signed Lalmark. And I was like, you know what? That might not be too bad just because Allmark played really well and had pretty decent numbers on a trash bag team. Exactly. So I thought, well, maybe something might work out this time. All right. And as it turned out, it really hasn't yet. May it? I don't know. But it's just, I, I feel for Sway just because I know, I, I've been hearing about this kid long before most people have, just because I had it in with a friend of mine whose daughter goes to Maine. And he told me every single time he'd go see his daughter play softball and he'd go and watch, he'd always go to a UMaine game when he went up there. And he's like, this kid is the goods. You have a stud when he gets to Boston. And I've been hearing that for three years that he was there. And I was like, wow. And then when he got called up last year and he had to play in the bubble and he played so well, I was like, he was right. You know, and it's just, I feel bad for him. I just hope he can use the time when he gets sent to Providence to actually fine tune those things in his game that need it. And when he does come back, then we have that super stud that we all think that he is going to be. So we'll see. I just, the whole situation, the fact that we're trapped in it kind of fucking pisses me off, (laughs) but I understand it. I don't have to like it, but I get it. I just, it is what it is. Okay. I have a couple thoughts on this one. Anybody who thinks that, Jeremy Swayman isn't going to be Tukaras backup is insane. This idea that they're going to just drop into this brilliant goalie tan, like that's not how it's going to work. If Tuka comes back, Tuka is our goaltender and Swayman is now the backup where at least with Allmark, Swayman has a fighting ass chance of being the starting goaltender currently. Right. I mean, can we be realistic? No one is going to pay Tuka Rask money and Tuka is going to now be the Yarrow Salak, the Yarrow Halak to him. You can't just make a goalie tandem snap off like that if they don't even get together till halfway through. Maybe that's why they have him on the ice. Allmark is a better goaltender than people give him credit for, I think. I think that this our defense is trash. Yeah. And yeah, they point. have not been helping our goaltending. Yeah, I think exactly. that Swayman is going to benefit a lot more going down to Providence and he's the one. And not because he did anything wrong, but... Again, this conversation can't be a new conversation. There's no way they did not have this conversation with their goaltenders before they signed Allmark. Exactly. What might potentially happen. Yep. Yeah. So our defense has sucked. So I think that hasn't helped our goaltenders. And I know everyone loves Jeremy Swayman, which I do too. And I think he's going to be fucking phenomenal. He's our new Tuka Rask. I don't think that his development's going to be stunted if he has to go do in the AHL. Because frankly, had Tuka not been injured and had the surgery, they were going to pay be in Providence anyways. And Vladar would have stayed as the backup and it went there. So we'd be in Providence anyways. Right. And as I pointed out a couple weeks ago, if they send him back down to Providence, once we can carry more people on this roster when the playoffs get, after the playoffs for the AHL, dude can be up here and he'll be one of our black aces anyway. So it's not like he's gone. 
I'd also like to point out, everyone's always like, patience with people, patience with people. Well, Swayman's had goalie Bob in them in his life for like a couple of years now, right? Yes. Olmark is still new to the team. Olmark is still, and he's had his injuries and stuff. I don't think he's been able to show us the best that he has because that Olmark on a dumpster fire Buffalo has to at least be pretty mediocre, awesome on this team, you know? I think also, though, we're so used to, and this goes back to what we said, we have been spoiled with goaltending for a very long time. Swayman is not Tukaras. As much as everyone wants to make it out like <coughs> he is not Tukaras yet. He just has, hasn't had enough time to really be that, right? Tukaras wasn't Tukaras at first either, right? He was awesome too. He was Swayman. He was great and wonderful, and you knew awesome things were going to come. But his ass ended up back down on the HL. You know, he had to re-earn being the top goalie on this team timmy came in and took his job you know what i mean like it so everyone's gonna be all right everyone calm down swayman is not gonna fall apart and just become crap if he goes back to providence for the rest of the year i'm my thing with tuca is this i like tuca i'm not one of those like tuca Ras is the bane of the world i don't think we have the money for him because we need a defenseman more than we need tuca rask if we can get better defense we can ride Swayman and Allmark. But anybody who thinks that Swayman is like going to be equals with Tuca if Tuca's the guy, it's not happening. I would rather him play down in Providence and play a lot than mostly if Tuca gets hot, you're not pulling him out. I don't know. For me, that's messier. And I do think that Linus Allmark has done better. He's had more things that he has done right. But everyone is, our expectations in this town start way up here, right? Oh, like Jake DeBrus scored 27 goals. So Jake DeBrus must always score 27 goals. Well, maybe we could just get him to score 16 goals. Like at least like somewhere in the middle, you know, same thing with goaltending. <laughs> because you know what happens? What if Swayman gets hurt and has to leave for the rest of the, you know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I get everyone wants Sway all the way and I am too, but it doesn't have to be Sway all the way this year. And honestly, with the way the defense has been playing, even if it was Vladar and Swayman, they would still be bringing Tuka Rass back. Swayman would still be getting the push down to Providence because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to go through the process or we would have lost Vladar anyways in the process. Yeah. So, and that still being said, it's not going to be beneficial to Swayman to only play once every five games, right? It's not. We're, I'm hoping they get to a point where Allmark and Swayman are playing equal, you know, at least till they go for a run in the spring with how insane the games are, but that's just my opinion. I think everyone calm down. What is the worst situation we have? Three goaltenders on our team that are like actual goaltenders that can do something. I mean, even Olmark, right? He's had a winner and loss thing, but he didn't look horrible in that when he took that loss this week. He looked better. So maybe yeah. his nagging injuries, maybe more time with our goaltending coaches. Not only are the not only does a goaltender have to learn a new team they have to learn a new system and goalies are as they always say right on their own island so maybe <laughs> let them work yeah. it out with the goaltending coaches let him work it out because as far as i can tell him and swayman are perfect like what did i say to mark a couple weeks ago what i say to you i think Olmark and swayman know that it's they're the goalies now and they've kind of they've shown they're a good tandem you know it right. hasn't always gone the way we want but this team, it's not just the goaltending. You can't just blame the goaltending. They're not too harassed. It can't always be their fault all the time. Like, there was an earthquake in Trinobago. Well, obviously, it was too harassed fault because he took his daughters to get ice cream. So, I mean, <laughs> clearly. Um, yeah, so that was the thing. I, I did throw out a poll 
I just wanted to mention the results about the what was the craziest thing that happened this week, and that was only at like on Thursday. But Marshawn won with forty percent of getting the three game suspension, but also. Jake being in the game now that he wants to get traded and Mama D uh, bitch slapping hags also got 37%. Uh, thank you to the 115 people who responded every now and then I just have to put out a silly poll. Um, I just wanted to blow through uh, upcoming games as we mentioned. So Wednesday at Vancouver, that's right. Late ones, nine o'clock start. Um, that's Wednesday, the eighth Thursday, the ninth, we're playing at Edmonton. Come on, hold it together. I can't. This is going to be a long stretch this week. I'm like looking at, they're at Edmonton, nine o'clock, Calgary at 10 on Saturday, December 11th. Uh, and that's the upcoming games. And then we come home for the 14th next Tuesday to play Calgary. Any thoughts on those games besides good God, that's going to be a good, a good run through the West. I don't know. Calgary and Edmonton are just playing out of their mind. Like, yeah, I would very be good. in their division. Just saying. Set the tone. I mean, the Boston Bruins got to set the tone on Wednesday night when they go out and play Vancouver. You yes. know, um, yes. You know, make that the statement, and and then go into Edmonton. I know it's back to back situations and so on, and players are going to be tired. I I don't know what Edmonton's doing the night before if they have a back to back too. But um, if they're rested, boy, that's going to be dangerous with uh you know McDavid and Drysital and that team. That's just a complete wagon this year, and forget it on the power play. The penalty kill better be on the free, on its game this this uh, on Thursday night because it's they're going to come um, at you pretty heavy if the if if they're on the man advantage. Uh, in Calgary, oh, Jesus, you know who are we going to see? You're going to see Markstrom. You're going to see Vladar Karma 2.0. You know, yeah. who, who knows? So uh, I don't Doesn't know. It really I, matter because they've both been playing pretty much lights out all year anyway. So yeah. whatever you get is not going to be pleasant. I'm looking forward to the test, though. You know, this is something that, the, you know, you'll be playing some better teams in the league and some different teams that are not directly in your division or conference for that matter. But, you know, let's see how we uh, get all together. We got three days off today, Sunday, the fifth. We got the sixth off, the seventh off. Um, maybe Bruce Cassidy uh, ends up joining the team after his COVID protocol, who knows that could uh, spark a spark some, um, some offensive production and, you know, some defensive structure and who knows? I mean, I, I'm just a win guy. I want to see the two points. I want to see us climb into the, into up the standings because, you know, we are at that time period with past the time period where I like to look at the Thanksgiving holiday as, as a gauge of where we are and, I think we're sitting in a wild card or probably even out of it now. So um, there's plenty of things to work on. This is a team that's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be frustrating at times and it's going to be, there's going to be good times and bad times. So the one good thing about this road trip is it's a road trip and it could be a chance for the team to bond. You know what I mean? Get that, whole togetherness factor going on and it's us against them type of deal going on and maybe they'll stop playing for each other a little bit more and standing up for somebody that takes liberties against one of your guys and and it could maybe be that starting point that drives what's going to happen for the rest of the year if they can get it together and play well like i see no reason at all why we don't get two points out of vancouver we're a better team than they are there's no doubt about that in my mind. We should get two points in Vancouver. Edmonton and Calgary, you don't know. The, the one thing you can say about Edmonton is their goaltending nearly isn't as strong as the rest of their team. So you could 
possibly get over that way. With Calgary, that right there is going to be the tough one because their goaltending is solid. They're they got a great defensive core in Calgary, and in the forward lines have been doing their thing. And I uh, that'll be the toughest game I think on the trip, as well as Edmonton, obviously, because you know, God, you got McJesus and Jai Seidel and Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins and. Oh God, the guy they got from Hyman, and I mean, they could talk about waves. They can come at you in waves. So we'll see. I mean, this could be a an indicator of what the rest of our year looks like with what how they play out in this trip. Yeah, we're a quarter away through. It's make it or break it. We yeah. have to have a good game. We have to. We can't let Calgary fucking steamroll us four to nothing again. Like that yeah. can't. Not for team confidence. Not for any reason. Uh, I hope Jake DeBrus goes out and just, if he is in the lineup, right, if he is still in there, I hope he plays his fucking ass off and maybe they'll just leave his ass out on the West Coast so he can that's, find his new home now. Or probably, leave him in Edmonton. He can at least hang out with his mom and dad for a little bit or whatever. That's probably, three, that's probably three teams right now that are probably interested in. in the and that's true. I mean, he's been yeah. linked to a lot of people, but um. Yeah, so that's it. You got, but we're a quarter of the way through, boys. You've been playing normal kind of schedule now. Now it's step up. Like, fine. I'm still worried they don't have their identity, and that concerns me. Because if you don't have an identity, you're not going to get through all this. If we don't get Zaboral back, like nothing against Jack Sean, but just Zaboral's got more experience. He's a little older, a little more developed in that way to be up there. Uh, hopefully Charlie McAvoy is okay, whatever his yes. illness is. Hopefully it's a quick run. Um, so maybe Wednesday, hopefully we've got coach and players and whoever back. And um, yeah, I'm not going to lie, even if Cassidy's back, it wouldn't hurt my heart to see DeBrus still in the lineup as a, you know. Uh, the one last thing I did want to say, though, that pissed me off about Sweeney this week, to go back to the goaltending, he hung Allmark and Swayman out to dry. Like, mm, it's not what like we want. Like, you know what I mean? And basically like how – Give us a break. Like, I think you haven't just been waiting around for Tuca anyways. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's not wrong in the fact, but even he's making it seem like it's a little worse. Because you know what? Yeah. I could throw your freaking whole entire defense under the bus too, Don Sweeney. And in the end, guy, it, it's your job that you get the players or whatever. Just like I always say, if the players aren't developing, mm, well, the players aren't developing themselves, right? Like, they're not drafting and developing themselves. They're not, uh, mm-hmm. if they could. Um I don't have any other topics, boys. I don't know about you. I just wanted to mention that Mike Comito, we love him, uh, Hockey 360. He had put out that this week. It was a couple days ago. I, don't, I didn't write down the date. But this this uh, week in 1924, the Boston Bruins played their first game, and they beat the Montreal Maroons 2-1. to one. So, yay, beat a Montreal team for their first game out. Uh, maybe different Montreal team, but still. Um, that's it. Does anybody – you guys have anything else? Now I'm going to shout out these podcasts, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, Black and Teal and Gold, Black and Gold and Teal Podcast. I said it backwards. What is it? There you go. I said it backwards. Sorry. It's because I was reading down the list. Dump and Change, Beehive Podcast, Puck Lines, Halts on Hockey, Causeway King, Short Shift Podcast, Third Line Grinders, Black and Gold and Teal Podcast. I'll say it again now that there. Um, (laughs) The Providence Hockey Report marks a prospect update and the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Please follow all of these awesome podcasts wherever you listen. Follow them on Twitter. Listen, rate, review, subscribe, especially the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast because I've got the OG BNG. 
Mock Red with me every week. Uh, seriously, great content. As I always say, blackandgoldhockey.com. Love us, hate us, whatever. Just make some noise about us. Yeah? <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Lance, for joining us. Oh, yeah, no Lance, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Truly appreciate it. Um, my check pleasure. Out, I'll do check. I'm here for you guys whenever you want me. Trust me, I love it. Please check out the black and gold and teal hockey pod on all listening, all worldwide listening platforms, and follow them on Twitter. Um, yeah, so uh, we do have to talk about a Patreon account that we have. So if you donate one dollar per episode to the black and gold hockey podcast, you get you are eligible to win a weekly Boston Bruins related prize, which is normally a, a signed picture of a player, alumni, a signed puck, um, or or a t-shirt or whatever. Uh, and you also get to be eligible for our weekly our monthly drawings of hand signed jerseys. And for the month of December, the middle of December, I'll come up with a date later on, but we are giving away this Andy Moog hand signed jersey fully authenticated this is from bruce sullivan boston sports and music memorabilia he's a great guy so just for a dollar folks you could win this so go check it out like i always say before we use half of your dollar to pay the bills around here for our small sports media company but we also use the other half to buy all the prizes uh every month and every week so we would truly appreciate that support Lance, again, we truly appreciate you coming on the program today to try to do a little bit of a roundtable discussion. I thought we touched on a lot of topics that we were uh, concerned, frustrated, and um, and happy about this week. So uh, thank you very much again. It, um, your time was uh, was uh, very much appreciated. Well, run out, very run much out of words. Yeah. <laughs> Talking isn't our thing today, okay? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, but uh, we will be uh, starting to record on Tuesdays now, so we'll be uh, releasing mid-show week, uh, mid-shows, sorry, shows mid-week, and um, just to free up my weekends because I'm going to be traveling a lot more to um, uh, Portland, Maine to cover the Maine Mariners and obviously going down more often to Providence, uh, to cover the Providence Bruins as a media member. So um, excited about the opportunity, but excited about moving the day so we can free up my weekend. So let's do it. I just want to say shout out to the Maine Mariners for having the most awesome Christmas jerseys and yeah, stuff. Dude, those were, they those were, were awesome. Sick. I meant to mention that on the list. I skipped over it, yeah. but those were awesome. Just they, I love they looked like Christmas elves. I mean, with yeah. all the controversy over like Marty Brodeur's jersey, jersey and everything, spot on Maine Mariners. Good on you. Kudos, <laughs> boys. Well done. All right. That is it for this week. We will talk to you very soon. Tuesday. I'm excited about that. So, uh, yeah, have a great week. Go Bees. We got three games this week coming up. It's a road trip out west, Canada west. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you, Lance. Thank you, Heather. Thank you everybody for listening. Please rate and review. Please follow us on all the socials you see here and, uh, we'll talk on Tuesday and we're getting into a weekly, weekly mix of uh, hockey talk over there. So, uh, with that being said, love you all. Take care. Peace out. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.